and good morning. It is five minutes past 10 o'clock. And as we do every last Wednesday of the month, we speak with the superintendent of schools here at the Mankato Area Public Schools, and that is Dr. Paul Peterson. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Karen. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. I thought maybe you'd have the day off. I know my son is off. My He's in the East High School. And yes. So is school off for most everybody then? School's off today here in Mankato. I know. Well, well what are you working then for? Well, yeah, yeah, there's, there's still always <laughs> some things to crank out before uh, the holiday, but boy, the next two days are going to be fun to... Just uh, have a break. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. then back at it before uh, we hit the uh, hit December. And we all know uh, it can get pretty wild with, with uh, the holidays and the end of the calendar year, too. And maybe snow days. Who knows? <laughs> oh, boy. Last week was a, you know, we, we didn't get enough... We didn't get enough snow to, it was just nuisance snow. And it I snowed. know, but don't the kids say we should have a snow day? <laughs> I mean, they're all like, look at there's some snow, a flake. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, now, but now it's going to be nice in the next couple of days. We'll get it all cleaned up and melted off, and then we can really start winter. Do you know, when you have, which year was it we had so many snow days? Mm-hmm. And it not only snow, but it was a lot of ice as well. And then you have to figure out what to do. Yeah, that was about five years, five, six years ago. Um, We got to the point in Minnesota schools where a lot of schools were going beyond the number of, the minimum number of days and hours. And so the legislature, as you might remember, Governor Walls had to step in and waive that um, state statute requirement. Uh, So schools didn't have to be going into the middle of June, end of June. But uh, but yeah, we have, we've, you know, through the last two, three years, We've kind of lucked out. I mean, we've had maybe one day, one or two. Sure. Um, but, you but, know, climate change is affecting all, all of the things we do, and so who knows what it's going to be. It's unpredictable, yeah, I'd the, say. The swings are just that, you know, more severe, you know, whether it's in the summer or the winter. And so for us, when it comes to buses and kids driving and getting things cleaned up in our parking lots, it uh, there are some challenges. So we'll just have to see what this winter brings. Speaking of challenges, I see you made above the fold in the front of the free press today about the school staff shortage Mm -hmm. being ongoing, talking about uh, certain areas, especially you're having issues of getting people and having a son who was in special uh, education Mm -hmm. had a one-on-one para. One of the areas is those paraprofessionals. And also it talks about some of the after school child care called ACEs and other things like that. So how bad is the situation? What, what's it looking like? Well, it's a challenge. And, I, and I, when I speak with my colleagues across southern Minnesota, across the state, um, in the metro, um, everyone is really um, talking the same game. And that is we're, we're, people are feeling pretty good about our certified staff, our, our teachers, um, our administrators, um, even though that's tight. I mean, the, the, the market just is has tightened up everywhere. But the biggest challenge by far is in student support, um, areas like paraprofessionals especially. Um, everywhere, and anybody I talk to, that is just a real pinch point when it comes to serving kids in our schools, whether it's teacher's aid in the libraries or in our cafeterias, um, in the hallways, Special education is is probably one of the most dire situations. Well, you know, one of the things I know with special education is they have IEP, individual mm-hmm. education plans. And with that, if your IEP says you have to have a one-on-one para, you have to meet that. And right. I know we've had issues in the past mm-hmm. with our own son where sometimes they're there simply wouldn't be anybody there. Yeah. And that's really uh, hard to, you know, it's a hard thing to, to figure out how to fix that. It is. And so what, what schools end up doing um, is prioritizing, and rightfully so. I mean, you prioritize those 
individuals, those kids who need that most direct Mm -hmm. service uh, with one-on-one paraprofessional support. But then there are other areas within the system that also need either supervision or maybe kids don't need a one-on-one, but more of a classroom support where where they can. and, And those are the areas then that you're just simply not able to fill um, because the people that you do have are now assigned to your highest needs kids. And so it's a it's a challenge that probably isn't going to get solved um, anytime super soon. Uh, I, I know that w- as we negotiate contracts, we're, we're trying to be as competitive as possible. But, you know, when we look around our region and uh, when when we are competing with fast food or convenience stores or other areas that, boy, some of the wages are getting to the point where, you know, public school systems are using public tax dollars to, to right. pay those salaries. And so we we need to be competitive, but we also know that we're dealing with scarce resources and, and doing the very best that we can to, because we, we absolutely need folks um, who care about kids, who love working in, in those settings to, to feel good about the job, but also feel like they can afford to take the job. Right. Rather, I mean, because sometimes they're paying out more in child care if they've got their own yeah. kids or something than that. You know, the other issue I know is substitute teachers, because I know a number of folks who are substitute teachers, yeah. and sometimes they say it's so challenging in the school system with yeah. some of the behaviors now that they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I know that in the last couple of years, especially as we were bringing kids back from the, dis- the distance learning and the virtual learning, you know, there was a lot of resetting of expectations and reteaching of behavioral expectations. Um, and there's still a little bit of, of room for, for schools to do that. We're so far away from kind of the those darkest days that we had as, as kids were coming back. But substitute teachers, we also, um, here in Mankato, we incentivize that. So now our subs make $200 a day. Do they? Okay. Because yep. so, that's more than I know because Jeff substituted three weeks yeah. last year for uh, Julia Battern when mm-hmm. she went on to the Antarctica trip. So he, it was less back then, I recall. Yeah. And, you know, and again, that's that's trying to uh, make it attractive. Right. Uh, we have a lot of uh, retired teachers within our community that um, understandably during COVID, they weren't maybe overly interested in being in a school with hundreds of kids yeah. who um, might, uh, you know, <laughs> with the virus. But uh, we are seeing better numbers this year. Okay. Uh, we've had very, very few days where we've just simply run out of subs. And uh, I think that it also points to the culture that schools are are back to the more regular routines of five days a week, kids there every day. Um, and it's really been helpful that our staff isn't getting sick. Well, I was going to ask you about that. How are the numbers? Because, you know, during COVID, there was so many, we didn't really know what to do. And, right. and so if somebody even had... Uh, had COVID, they would cancel or mm-hmm. quarantine entire groups of f- folks, which has changed, I know. COVID has, um, you know, knock on wood, we, we're, we're, we're looking really good when it comes to COVID numbers here in Mankato, but then also within our region. Um, not that it's completely gone, but it's very, uh, very low numbers. The biggest challenge right now in schools is RSV. Uh, oh, infl- are you getting, are you yes. being affected by that? Is y- it mainly... You- are they elementary right. or oh, yep. yes. young okay. young kids? But influenza um, for both uh, for all K twelve kids and staff has definitely uh, ticked up, and th- those are the biggest areas. There are some schools we haven't thankfully had to shut down because of you know high high numbers of influenza with staffing or or with kids. It's but, only uh, November. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. And so you're you're hearing a lot within uh, communications now across the state about you know. Um, 
it's not too late to get your shot, your influenza shot. Do you um, offer those through the school at all, or we we do through uh, for our staff. Okay. Yep. Um, and so we've uh, we've had a couple different clinics, and uh, we just want to continue to encourage folks who are comfortable doing that. We know that. Uh, um, you know, in the last few years, getting shots and vaccinations uh, or, you know, just kind of taking care of your own health. People have a lot of different opinions on that. But uh, we also know that, like you just said, it's only November and the winter here is, you know, we're going to be cooped up inside for quite a few months now. Well, and that's why they talk about maybe getting a booster. If you haven't had it, get it now because then it'll hopefully carry you over those yeah. worst months when the, kind of the sickness and things kind of where you're all cooped up inside so much. Yeah. So, you know, and and like just like through COVID and even before COVID, especially want to encourage kids and staff members, if you're not feeling well, if you're sick, um, you really do need to stay home. <laughs> That's, you know, some people like to gut it out. Nah, I can make it. But that really uh, not only is going to set you back and probably make your recovery a little bit longer, but we're also uh, we're also in school settings where the windows are shut and uh, mm-hmm. people aren't masking up anymore for the most part. And so we're, you know, we're kind of spreading things all around. So yeah, my son says some people still wear masks mm-hmm. and that's, that's fine. And if, yeah. you know, if you want, is there any requirements at all anymore? There aren't, are there? No requirements. Um, but yeah, when I'm at the the bus stops or the drop-offs in the mornings, um, yeah, there's there are a handful of kids mm-hmm. that uh, are just feeling more comfortable and even a yeah. staff member or two that you'll see. And maybe they have underlying causes or right. whatever their reason is. Yeah, it's all yep. right. yeah and, it, and it, it just has become just more of a, a typical... I was just talking with Carrie, my wife. Uh, she had to hit the grocery store a couple of days ago to get ready for yeah. Thanksgiving and she had her mask. She said, "I'm wearing my mask because yeah, I know yeah. how, how. I just know how busy it's going to be." She got home and she said, "I only got one weird look." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is, all a lot of folks getting together with people from out of state, out of town, right now for the Thanksgiving. I mean, this we have this, of course, at the university mm-hmm. where a lot of they'll go to other states or sure. other areas, maybe where they maybe have more illnesses or don't do as much vaccination so you always have that coming back what's it going to be when everybody returns everybody returning so you go off to your you know whether your loved ones or your relatives your friends and you go then back into your normal routines and that's I and mean, we saw that with covid didn't we i mean as yeah. people came back from wherever they went to spike spike <laughs> right <laughs> and they worked through it but hopefully we're hopefully that's not going to be the case here between thanksgiving and and uh, christmas and then you know we'll just see what the rest of the winter brings yeah, I guess time will tell, as as they say, as yeah. everything else. Anything else going on? You mentioned um, negotiations. Is that something that's coming up now for teachers or things we're, that you're working on? We're, we're really on a pause for, for negotiations. I tell you, the biggest negotiations that we'll be focused in on over the next several months is at the legislature. Um, with the elections from a few weeks ago, not only with our local school board, but uh, within the state of Minnesota, this is a funding year for public education K-12, obviously higher education, as you full right. well know, will mm-hmm. be at the table. Um, and it's really important that our public institutions are unapologetic about the fact that as um, public goods, um, those public goods are funded through um, through this, through our citizens. And uh, so it's going to be important for us to engage with our local uh, senators, our representatives, and with the governor's office about uh, what our schools need to be fully funded and um, making sure that we're taking care of our kids 
because when we're taking care of our kids, that means we're taking care of our community and, and we're setting ourselves up for a better future. So that's really going to be a focus. Our legislative platform is is being developed uh, So, yeah, now. what are some of your priorities? Well, I mean, it, it's, it sounds like schools talk about the same thing every two years, but it's all about the general education formula funding that comes out of the legislature. Um, the, most of the dollars that go to support public education come from the state. And the money that doesn't come from the state then comes from the local taxpayers. And sometimes those local dollars can only go so far before districts are then going out for referendum, Um, whether it's facility referendums or operational. We're really hoping that we can hang tight with our operational was there, are there any? Is there anything on the docket for referendums here in the Mankato area? I would. I would. I, I think it's very likely that in 2023 we'll be looking for a facilities referendum. So what would that be for? So really, we're we're really needing to um, make sure that we've got welcoming and secure entrances in all of our schools. Right now, we don't have that. Um, not that we don't have secure entrances, but we have buzzer systems where people get buzzed in and then they're often often going. Um, we need to tighten that up just a little bit, you know, based on where we're at as a society and, and access to schools. We also know that um, we've got very, very limited swimming facilities within the school district. East High School is the only pool that we have right now. Uh, the West Pool hasn't had a drop of water for several years, and that's just not sustainable for us as a large... I think you could just make a g- big, giant garden in there. That's <laughs> we, and it's great. It's, it, yeah, that's great square footage where yeah, I think right. West could do some really creative things in there. So we, we need to take care of that. And um, we, we've also got uh, uh, areas of preschool and special education that we need to continue to respond to what our community... Uh, and how our community shows up. We've got young, young kids within our community, and Mankato Schools has a heck of a preschool program. We just need to make sure we have the space Because to, didn't to do you it. just open all the preschool and that on the old building on Stadium? Right. That, so that, what? where's the status of that? Yeah, so and that, what did that used to be again? I forgot. So that used to be the MRCI okay, building. Right. And it looks like it's being developed at this time, or it's, what's going on? Right. It's it's being used and developed at the same time. So we have one pod already open in there okay. of preschool, but that's a very large building that the second phase of renovation is happening right now. Um, and that will drastically expand the number of preschool classrooms, um, both uh, early learning, special education, early learning, um, family engagement, all happening in there. Um, and we, we need to respond to increased special education needs within our community. And so those would be all of the elements incorporated into a likely bond referendum in 2023. We're Like I said, we're really hoping that we're not going to have to ask an operational question, but that's going to be contingent on the state uh, coming through um, with some dollars that just help us um, keep keep moving things forward for well, our kids. How much is it per pupil now? I think isn't that how they they I guess they do all, all in when you, Yeah, when you take a look at both the state and the local contributions. Mankato area public schools that we roughly gauge about it. It's about a $12,000 per pupil um, funding. That that's what the funding formula is for Mankato. About $12,000 Per kid. That seems like a lot, but I don't know if that, I mean, what that all entails or what it includes. Well, you know, school districts, for the most part, I mean, it, most of the expenses are in the personnel that go to teach sure. kids. Got it. And, and so whether it's uh, your teachers or your support staff, um, and then, you know, keeping the operational things going with your, your fixed costs with all of your billings, um, and then paying the bills, um, that $12,000, it's, it's been quite a few years. 
And I don't know if we've actually ever gotten there, that gap between what fully funding schools um, would look like. But uh, we're hopeful. We're, you know, the governor made a, made a big pitch for public education in his campaign. He did win. And so now it's an opportunity for teachers and superintendents and principals and parents to really uh, um, see that through so we can uh, keep moving things forward. What keeps you awake at night with the school regarding school stuff? Um, I think what 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 keeps me awake at night is um, the students who, um, and I don't know if it keeps me awake at night so much as it keeps me waking up in the morning to make mm. to, to continue to do my work. Is yeah. we have a lot of incredible kids within our system, um, and all of our kids are different. Right. Um, a lot of our kids live in the spotlight um, and are are living their very best life through the public education system and are fed and nourished and, and their, their life is on a path where they're going to do amazing things. I think what keeps me up at night but also gets me up in the morning is making sure that our community and our system works better for those kids not in the spotlight. And... And systems are tough to change. Right. Um, society is 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 built for, it, the way that we've built this place um, is built for a reason. But um, all of our kids have incredible value, and um, continuing to create or disrupt systems that don't allow them to shine is, um, I think, what what makes me feel like I I still have a role to play in in. Um, Give, giving some voice and just giving some some space for them to to be their very best places, their, to be their very best person. You know, it seems more and more a lot of the issues are mental health related yeah. as well. And I don't know if that's maybe you're alluding to that mm-hmm. as well. But but it seems like with some of the stressors that are put on, even the, the what you call the kids in the spotlight have yep. their own set of, of I guess, issues as well. And that's something I know the school district has really been working hard. You had the speakers come back in, yeah. was it October? Yeah, or, yep. yeah and about that, you know, can, pre- uh, preventing suicide, that sort of thing. And so well, and I, and what, I are think, you, what are you doing to continue that conversation? I, I think you're so right, Karen, because every, every student, regardless of um, where they come from, uh, what they look like, what mm-hmm. their family situation is, everybody has needs, yep. um, but they're different needs. And... So systems um, are organized because they kind of systems usually work for most of the people. That's how it became mm-hmm. a system. <laughs> but there are folks where it doesn't work for right. you know, people on on the extremes um, that we need to uh, notice, um, and we not just notice and like take care of, but we also need to honor them um, because they have just as much value um, as the the folks where. S- traditional school works uh, works for them and and sometimes that that can be disruptive or it can it cannot it can feel awkward or wonky when you're trying to meet everybody's needs um, but I think mental health you mentioned that that's a, just a perfect example yeah um, we just had a, um, a our maps student spotlight started this past Monday night at the school board meeting and there's a student at West Olivia at, at West High School started a student-run mental health group. Wow. It's just amazing. A student. Wow. A student. That's incredible. Comes, you know, takes a look at what's been going on with kids, uh, some of the events at West and says, we need to do better. We need to take care of each other. Um, there, are, there are supports that we can provide each other, resources that we can um, give to each other. Um, so no, so people don't feel as if they have to do this, um, whether they're a star swimmer, whether they're on the robotics team, 
or whether they're not in anything. Right. Um, they're still someone that uh, is worthy of respect, um, and and we need to dignify them as a as a person and make sure that school is they see school as a place for them, yeah. along with their family, along with their friends. That school is is a place where they can be themselves and continue to grow. And I mean the 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 fact that we have kids who really get that mental health is it. This isn't just like a passing. Fad. Uh, fad. Yeah. It's not just something we're just, oh, we'll talk about it, and then it's all done. Yep. Yep. Um, it's something that really does need to get incorporated into our conver- our community conversations, our family conversations, and then at the school level with our social-emotional curriculums that are happening at every level. It's um, it's it's definitely going to uh, impact what the school experience looks like, for, looks like for kids, and hopefully kids come away from that feeling more valued and feel more supported as because we all know life is life is tough <laughs> you know it doesn't doesn't get a lot it's easier. its ups and downs it yeah. absolutely does and so we want to make sure kids have this the tools to work through those things and you know as a parent of a child with special needs our son is on the autism mm-hmm. spectrum and uh we know that uh, you know we're parents that advocate and some of the things the, the the supports he needed we had to strongly advocate for or they wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. and we're parents that were able to do that for whatever reason and not all kids have somebody like that to do that for them so i think that's where you're talking about some of those that maybe you know are falling through the cracks for whatever reason and uh it's so much of the culture that needs to change yeah. to really i think had i not had a child um with autism i would have thought nah you know we're fine everything's going mm-hmm. well so I think it really changes your perspective. It, it really does. And I, I, I give you and Jeff so much credit because um, within uh, the whole arena of students with special needs or dis- the disability movement, um, and I can, I can say this as a, as a parent also of, mm-hmm. of a student uh, with special needs, so much of the change, so much of the improvements uh, within a, a person's life journey is because of parent advocacy, and not everybody has that. Which, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, you'd love to think that it's school systems, legislative process, um, you know, large scale movement, but it's at that micro layer of parents saying, "Hey, this isn't working for my kid," and and not backing down um, when they're faced with resistance. Right. And so good. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, but but I mean, I think as a system, like you said, the systems need to be made so all kids are included because not everybody mm-hmm. has that other support. So yeah. that's really at the root of equity work. Yeah, meeting right. kids, meeting kids where they're at, regardless of ability, regardless of race, regardless of orientation, regardless of academic prowess. Um, it's meeting kids and moving them, um, regardless of uh, yeah, just. And, and honoring who they are as individuals. What is the next big thing you're working on for the school district, Paul? Well, uh, we're going to be orienting our new school board in January. And oh, that, that's, that's right, because that, yep. that just happened. Yeah, that so. just happened in November, so that will be... Uh, um, How many ex- new ones are there? I'm trying to recall. There's there's, there's one brand new member. Okay. Um, we had two people that were filling seats. Interims, yep. kind of. Yep. And they both won election, and so they will be starting their first full four-year sure. terms. But but um, orienting a new board that's uh, that's big work. That those sure. are such important roles within the system at that governance level, and so that'll be key. But we're also already setting our sights on the on the twenty twenty four budget building process, 
And as we mentioned, um, we're, we're going to be working, I'll be doing, spending a lot of time engaging with legislators and, like I said, the governor's office about what uh, public schools, specifically what Mankato schools need to um, uh, ensure that we're develop, uh, delivering high-quality education here in, in our community. What can we do as individuals to maybe help improve the situations for our kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the things that, that happens every couple of years is uh, people vote. <laughs> and sure. so mm-hmm. people can check that box. That happened, and, and so now we know who the elected leaders are who hold so much of the influence. Um, but I also think that just staying engaged and, and listening carefully to when the schools are sharing information about how things are going, both the good, the positive things, but then also the challenges. Just, you know, we were talking about the challenges of finding paraprofessional support. Right. You know, that might and, not work for somebody who's listening, but you might know somebody who well, say, hey, I, I could uh, I could help out. Yeah, because the headline in the free uh, the Star Tribune today was Mankato has the lowest unemployment rate in the entire nation. <laughs> so when you see something like that and you're talking about, yes, we need paraprofessionals, we need this, we need this, it's sort of like, way, where are they going to all come from, right? Well, and the fact is, is that on some of the committees that I'm uh, that I'm able to serve on here in town, Every one of our community leaders are saying the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're talking to Taylor Corporation or you're talking to Dotson or you're talking to Mayo Clinic or same. Mankato. Everybody is talking about here at MSU, yeah. um, talking about oh, yeah. hiring um, high quality um, individuals to come on in and work. So, yeah, it's a it's a, it's great to have the lowest unemployment rate in the nation. And but it also then it also creates its own issues. Come right? some challenges with that for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Paul Peterson, who is the superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools. It's always great to chat with you, always learn new things and uh, have a great discussion. And you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too. Thanks, Thank you very, very much.